welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. And a happy holidays to all. And since this is airing on Christmas Eve, a Merry Christmas and welcome to the show. Now, as I teased in the last episode, tonight's show is holiday, or more specifically, Christmas-themed. Calls from across the country that have some connection to that joyous, cheerful holiday. But as cheerful as Christmas may be, there is a hint of mystery, intrigue, and even spookiness hidden beneath our customs and traditions. In times of old, ghost stories would be shared by a roaring fire in celebration. And of course, we all know of the ghosts of the Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol. Well, tonight I have a collection of stories that just might revive that tradition. Now, before we launch this sleigh full of terrorizing tales, there are a few stories throughout this episode that you might consider a Christmas spoiler. So if you have youngsters listening, you might want to skip this one, or at the very least, heed my warning before each of those calls are played. But first, we begin our night in the state of Delaware, where listener Jill has a touching story about a Christmas bond that goes beyond death. Hi, Derek. This is Jill from Delaware. My story happened in 2010. It's actually not a scary story. You might want to save this for a Christmas time episode because it happened very near Christmas. That year was tough for me because my father passed away in August of 2010. My husband was working away from home most of the time, and so I was alone a lot. And uh, it was Christmas time. You know, it was like the 20. Second, I think, of December, he was trying to fly back home and got stuck in Atlanta due to snow. And so I was just beside myself, having lost my father earlier that year and facing the prospect of very likely spending my very first Christmas alone. I was basically having the biggest pity party you ever could imagine. And I was upset. I was crying. There was no one here. And I looked into the kitchen and there was my father. He had passed away in August, and the only thing I can imagine is my emotional distraught, my upset situation called him back to spend some time with me, and I I couldn't get up. I couldn't come into the kitchen because I was afraid if I walked toward him, he would leave. He said nothing. He just stood there and I sat there and looked at him and grew. I drew a lot of comfort from that visit. He, uh, my husband actually got to come home on Christmas Eve. And so I didn't have to spend Christmas alone. It sounds so silly, but I was so upset. And um, off and on, I saw my dad for about a month. And I thought I should tell him that I was better now and he could go on. And I did that. I told him that his visit had comforted me and that he should go on to his reward. And I never saw him again after that. The oddest thing is he never set foot in this house. I had moved from the state where my father lived for years prior. 
and we always wanted to bring him up for a visit. But that's that's why the only thing I can figure is my need, my emotion called him here because he wouldn't have known the way. He wouldn't have known the way. Thank you, Derek. Jill, I'm sorry. We can hear the heartbreak in your voice, and I'm sure it wasn't easy to share your experience, but we're very thankful that you did. Now, Jill's story is touching, and as you will soon discover, not all that uncommon. And given the fact that so many of us are unable to see family this year, it's also very timely. Now, I know many of us are forced to spend the holiday season alone. And that's one of the reasons I decided not to go dark this week. And actually next week as well. Because like Jill, we all need something to help get us by. And if a deceased relative can't be there for you, well then hopefully, in some small way, monsters among us can. Now next up on the old list is a story about one of the staples of Christmas. A toy. The following is Brandon's entry from the state of Oklahoma. Hey, what's up, Derek? This is Brandon from Oklahoma City. First off, I'm a big fan of the show. Love your work. Love what you do. I just want to tell you a story about my auntie's haunted house. Uh, My auntie used to have a real haunted house. Some started at the beginning. So about, ooh, it was a long time ago. I had to be like 10. was the first time I spent the night over my auntie's house. So we're all asleep on the fold-out couch in the living room. And all of a sudden, we start feeling someone like they was under the bed, just kicking the bed like really, really hard. And we felt it like they was jolting us out of the bed, like lifting us out of the bed. So my auntie wakes up and she starts praying and it stops. So later that morning, my auntie is outside working in her garden and me and my brother, being stupid kids like we were, decided to pick at the ghost. So. Me being dumb, I said, if there's a ghost in this house, you're a B-word if you don't show yourself. The lights cut off, the TV cuts off, and a door opens. We see a white figure in a door, and we bolt. I'm talking about ran outside quick. My auntie was, of course, mad at us because she's been living with the ghost for years, and she, guess, came with turns and started dealing with it. She used to tell us stories about how her and my uncle would eat breakfast, and Pots and skillets would fly off the tables, and their plates would fly off the tables. Well, one story that I had, I was about 13 or 14. I'm walking in my auntie's house looking for her. I go in her bedroom, and she used to collect stuffed animals. Like, if you walked in her living room, it would be porcelain dolls everywhere, and their eyes would seem like they would follow you no matter where you went in the house. So I go in her bedroom, and I open the door, and she had this little stuffed rabbit that she always kept on her bed. So as soon as I walk in there, the rabbit turns his head and looks at me. And at this point, I'm frozen. I can't move an inch. The rabbit stands up, starts walking towards me. And again, I'm frozen. I can't do that. And I'm, my body will not will me to move. And as soon as the rabbit gets close to the edge of the bed, it lifts his arm up, and I take off running. I am gone. That was the last time I spent the night at my auntie's house. My cousin, she used to tell me stories about like, one day she was at my auntie's house and she was sitting in the front room and she went to the kitchen to get something to drink. 
And then when she came back in her room, she seen this lady in a red dress, and she thought it was my auntie. The lady started walking towards the front door, and she was like, Mama, Mama. And the lady turned around, and she had a skull face and disappeared through the front door. Well, that's my story. This is Brandon from Oklahoma. Love your episode. Love what you do. Uh, Keep up the good work. Thanks, Brandon. I completely understand why you would want to avoid visiting your aunt's house after all of that. That sort of story will make you quite skeptical of any new gift Santa places under the tree. And speaking of the jolly old guy, just to make sure Santa gets your wish list just right, you write him a letter, correct? Well, next time you pen a note to jolly old St. Nick, make sure to double-check your spelling before you put your letter in the mailbox. A lesson Noah Alzani learned the hard way. What's in a name? What's your name? Just ask the four-year-old Alonzi twins. Right. Noah, for instance, has some down pat. How do you spell your name? N-O-A-A. Good job. But the wordsmith's letter to Santa went, well, a little south this year. Way south. Because aside from saying he'd been nice and asking for a new toy... Noah got a few letters mixed up and addressed his note to the naughtiest fellow of all. No, not the Grinch, but the guy with the horns. You did it all by yourself? Mm-hmm. What does this say? Santa. Santa, huh? Mm-hmm. Mom Jennifer's response says it all. Well, I'm a therapist, so my first thought was we got to get this kid into therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Santa, if you're watching, Noah wasn't being devilish. He really did mean to send it to you. What do you want Santa to get you? Um, a helicopter and a train. A helicopter and a train. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> now that clip is courtesy of NBC Nightly News. Satan, Santa, it's an easy mistake to make. After all, they're both wearing red. Now, if you haven't picked up on it, tonight's show is a little more lighthearted than most. But we'll be right back at delivering nightmare-inducing material next week. And if you have a story you would like to have shared on an upcoming show, simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And I've heard some questions lately about how long it takes stories to be shared. There is no schedule. I put these shows together from a bank of at least 500 submissions. So essentially, there's a lottery every week. Now that said, some time ago, I stopped reading email submissions on the show. I found a rhythm with the calls and clips, and that's the direction I want things to go. But don't worry. I have very big plans for any written submission that hasn't already been shared. Plans that may or may not include reading material, but I've said too much already. But all that considered, if you emailed a story and you still want to be featured on the show, give the hotline a call or record your story on your phone and email me the file. As you can imagine, there are a lot of stories to get through, so thank you for your patience while waiting for yours to be shared. Now, back to the entries. And this one is a story you might recognize. This entry was actually featured on last year's Christmas special. But it's simply too good not to share again. 
And parents, this is one of those Christmas spoiling stories that I was talking about. So if you'd like to skip this, go two minutes and 40 seconds ahead. Now for the rest of you, please welcome Michelle from the state of Washington. Back to the program. Hi, Derek. This is Michelle again. I uh, recently called in about my story that I believe was Santa Claus. <laughs> it happened when I was about uh, 9 or 10 years old in Washington. And I just wanted to call back in with a little bit more detail. I was thinking about it and talking with my brother about it. And like I said, it took place in Washington. And if anybody has ever lived or just been in Washington for you know more than two days, it rains a lot. And I'm talking a good 200, 200 days out of the year, it's going to be raining. And I was thinking about, you know, if it could have been my parents on the roof or, you know, someone else on the roof or something. I just, I don't think it was someone, you know, that was in my house or someone getting on the roof other than, you know, Santa Claus. <laughs> just because the way that house is laid out, you walk in the front door and it's a split level. You either go upstairs the kitchen, the living room, and the kids' room, or you go downstairs to the basement and my parents' room. And on the back of the house, we had a wraparound deck, and my sister's room had a sliding door that led right out to the deck. And on that platform where her room is and that deck is, the, really the only way to get up to the roof, everywhere else, you would have to get a ladder that goes up the full two stories, which we didn't have at the time. My guess is that it was raining because it was Washington, and it was nighttime. So, in order for like my dad or something to get up on the roof, he would have to get the ladder out, go onto the deck, and try and climb up right next to my sister's room. So, one, I don't think my dad would have done that just because he's a big safety nut. He wouldn't be out there at night. He wouldn't be out there when it's raining, anything like that. And the second thing is that we did, my brother and I asked my sister if we heard anything that night, and she said no. Granted, she's a really heavy sleeper, so if it was my dad or something, she might have slept through it. But it just it just doesn't seem like it would have been, because like I said, you would have to go up in the middle of the night when it's raining, right next to my sister's room. And the ladder we had was loud. Like, you could hear the moment someone was on the roof or trying to get the ladder out throughout the whole house. It was a pretty old house. So, uh, thank you so much for your time. I love the podcast, and congratulations on getting married. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again, Michelle. That is such a fun little story. We actually have more from Chris Kringle coming up later in the program, so stay tuned for more of that. But, before we venture down that path, the beanies are here. They're too late for Christmas, obviously, but perfect for anyone that didn't get what they wanted this year. These embroidered babies, designed by the talented Jamie Murray, are unique and a bit of a departure from our past hats. That said, I think you guys are going to love them. So visit Monsters Among Us podcast forward slash shop to take a look and order yours today. Now before we hit up our next caller... I was hoping to find a Christmas Bigfoot story to share. But sadly, it wasn't meant to be this year. So I did the next best thing and dug up a Bigfoot sighting from Christmas Day. Now normally, audio of a Bigfoot sighting video would be quite boring to share on a podcast. 
but this one is lengthy and the commentary by those in attendance is pretty good. So the following video was taken on Christmas in 2014 in northern Minnesota. Essentially, we begin the clip inside. A family of about a dozen people have gathered when the man filming pans past a window and sees something large dart across in the distance. Here's a portion of that exciting video. Say Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The tree. What was that? Oh my God. Did you see behind that? Him. Something's behind the garage. Did you see that? No, what was it? It was really big. Oh my God, do you see it? Yeah. Oh my God. No way. That can't be. What the hell? Oh my god, are you, are you getting this? I think so. Oh my god. Where's it at? Go get in the woods. Oh. Oh, you're going to oh no. After him. <gasps> We're real scared of him. Raph. Stay here, Rip. You stay here. Oh my god. We better get back inside, guys. Now in the video, you can see a large, dark, bipedal thing traveling along the tree line, some 50 to 100 yards from the filming location. Now as far as Bigfoot videos are concerned, this one is pretty interesting. If it's a hoax, I don't believe the family that captured the footage is in on it. Now, I've posted a link to this video in tonight's show notes. Have a look for yourself. What do you guys think? And I should add that the clip is courtesy of North by Wild West on YouTube. Now, our next entry is another one like Jill's story from the front end of the show. And strangely enough, this one too comes to us from the state of Delaware. Please welcome Kim to the program. Hi, Derek. My name's Kim, and I'm calling from Delaware. I want to share a story with you that happened to me around Christmas time, um, 2015. Um, my father died in December of 2014, suddenly after a surgery at the age of 84. He had just retired one year, almost to the day prior to that. Um, of course, it was a very huge loss for us, um, and Christmas was his favorite time of year. He was just like a little kid. Um, as soon as he got to the last present, he wanted to know if there were more. He was just absolutely loved Christmas. So we continued on and still do to this day, celebrating Christmas as we always have. So approximately, like I said, a year after we lost him, it was sometime mid-December. The house was decorated for Christmas. And in my front windows, in my living room, I have a big picture window with two smaller windows on the side. And there are candles. It's just a... Uh, clear bulb white candles in each window one in each one so there were three in the living room they're the kind of candles that you put your batteries in and then they come on and they're on a timer and they go off like six hours later my husband and I had left the house right at dark and I noticed the middle candle was out and I figured it just hadn't come on yet um, we were gone for a little while when we returned I noticed the candle wasn't on so we got home he settled down in his chair in the living room and I went over to the window to get the candle and thinking maybe the bulb was loose or the batteries were bad and the candle was gone. 
Now, this living room window has long curtains to the floor. There's a love seat that backs up to the window. So I shook the curtains. I looked up, I looked down, I looked in the love seat, under the cushions, under the love seat, all over the living room. There's no way if this candle fell that it could have been anywhere but really on the sill because of the way the couch was pushed up against it. Now, I, at the time, had my daughter, her boyfriend, and my granddaughter, who was about six months old, living here, and then my also adult son. They were not home, but I still called them immediately. Hey, what you guys do with my candle? Now, we are a very laid-back, fun family, but we don't typically play practical jokes on each other occasionally, but nothing like that. No, nobody would have messed with my candle. So it was just really, really weird. And, you know, knowing that my dad had died and knowing how much he loved Christmas, um, I was sitting in the living room. I had never left the living room, for, for that matter, after looking for this candle. And I was sitting on the couch, and I just kind of whispered to my dad, hey, dad, you know, did you take my candle? Are you messing with me? You know, you're trying to say hi. You know, if you are, that's great. Thank you. I'm so happy to hear from you. But put my damn candle back because I need it and I can't find any more like it. So I had walked into the kitchen at some point. Now, mind you, you can see my living room completely from the kitchen. Um, my kids had come home in the meantime. My daughter and, and her boyfriend and granddaughter had come home. They had gone straight back to their bedroom because it was getting later and they were going to put the baby down for the night. So I had full visualization of the living room the entire time. I was sitting back on the couch. My daughter and her boyfriend went outside to smoke and my cell phone rings and I answered it and it's my daughter and she's like mom you're smoking something I said what are you talking about she said the candles in the window I'm like no it's not I've been sitting here the whole time sure enough I got up walked over to the window the candle was perfectly centered on the sill as it had been to begin with and there is no way anyone could have gotten to that window to put that candle there so I just kind of smiled, looked up and said, thanks, dad. And my husband looked at me like, what are you talking about? So I told him what I had done. And he said, I don't believe it. I said, well, you've been sitting here the whole time. Did you put my candle there? No, of course not, which I know he didn't. I would have seen him move and no one else came in and did it. So I think it was my dad, which I think is pretty cool. If there is another explanation, Derek, I am a, a want to believe skeptic just like you. And, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is that it was a practical joke. But I'm telling you, there was no one in my sight, and they could not have put that candle back. Later that evening when my daughter went out, my granddaughter had cried. So we had gone into my granddaughter's bedroom. I had set our oven timer because my dryer was on, and it's out in our garage, and you can't hear it when it goes off. And I wanted to get the clothes out. And that is an old-fashioned oven timer. There's nothing electronic. It's one of those that you turn, and then it clicks, and it buzzes, and it does not shut itself off. I have left the house before and set that timer and forgotten it and come home hours later, and it's still buzzing. I had said to my dad, after my husband didn't believe me about the candle, Dad, give me another sign. So we're in the bedroom with my granddaughter, and the buzzer started going off. Well, I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but my husband was helping me, and we could neither of us could leave to walk into the kitchen to turn the timer off. I had just kind of said that to my dad, and it had only been a few minutes, and the timer shut itself off. Flash forward to this past January of 2020. My daughter had moved out about six months after this initial candle event, and she had lived in a trailer for a little while that she rented, and then she purchased a home. And this past 2019 Christmas would have been her second Christmas in her new home. 
so this past January 2020, she had packed up all of the Christmas things and she was cleaning her house. She was in her kitchen. She has an island in the middle. She had cleaned off the island completely. All of the Christmas stuff was packed up, put away. And she had gotten down on her hands and knees to scrub the floor. And when she stood up, there was a piece of paper laying on the island that had not been there when she knelt down. And she was home with just my then three-year-old granddaughter who couldn't even reach the island. And lying on the island was a sheet of Christmas themed address labels with my father's name and address on it. There's no way she could have gotten a hold of that. I mean, we don't, who knows where that came from. It could have been in some Christmas decorations that at one point were given to her, but it's nothing that she had had out or had ever seen. These are like sort of the March of Dimes return address labels that they send you, had little Christmas things on it, and they had my, my dad's name on it. So I thought that was pretty cool. I think that was her pop trying to reach out and say hi again. So that's my story. It's not scary, but I think it's really cool. And I thought maybe you'd like to share it around the holidays. Derek, I love your show. You guys do a phenomenal job. I am very picky about my podcast. I listen to mostly all paranormal or true crime and you are right there at the top. And I appreciate everything that you do. Thanks, Derek. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Kim. If I suddenly found myself as a ghost, I have a long list of people I plan on messing with. Now, I've already told Sarah I'm going to haunt her if I die. To no one's surprise, she's not happy with that idea. As if she has a choice. But for most of us missing family members this time of year, I feel like we all, in a small way, wish that we could experience some sort of connection from beyond. Thanks again, Kim, for sharing. Now, before we hit up our final call of the evening... Another nightmarish holiday figure I hoped to discuss is Krampus, but unfortunately I didn't receive any submissions about the anti-Santa, but that didn't stop me from digging this up. First, by the way of viral channel on YouTube, a little backstory on Krampus. Krampus is not new. He's far more ancient than pretty much any mythology that's out there, especially associated with the Yuletide. He is a horned creature. He has talons for hands. He has one human foot and one goat foot. He's covered in fur. In some stories, you'll see him. He might be wearing some kind of human clothes, but in some, he's not. You would probably also know him by the big sack full of screaming children. He has a long red tongue, and I think that's to imply that he would eat you. He's terrifying. I mean, when you see him coming, he is terrifying. He's not a bad guy. He's more like a middle management guy, right? So you have St. Nicholas or Santa who takes care of good children and delivers them rewards. Krampus takes care of the the naughty children and he brings uh, punishment to them. I think it's not a bad idea to look at them as good cop, bad cop. And now that we're familiar with this Yuletide legend, can you believe there are places that frown upon such a thing? One such town, St. Cloud, Minnesota, certainly thinks so. WESH NBC News 2 out of St. Cloud has all the details. Is this character too scary to be in a Christmas parade? The St. Cloud Chamber of Commerce says yes. So today, the folks at the Fire Brewery got final word from the chamber their float featuring Krampus will not be allowed. Since you have a devil on your float, we cannot have anything with a devil or horns. So who or what is Krampus? 
He's a mythical character. You could call him the anti-Santa Claus, scary-looking, demon-like, and his mission is to scare kids into being good so they can get something for Christmas. The folks who own the fire brewery say he's part of their German heritage. Krampus was the one to say, you were naughty, I'm coming to your house, I'm going to get you, I'm going to chase you, I'm going to spank you, I could take switches to you if I wanted. The lash went back so hard it upset some folks who felt like Krampus is not the stuff Christmas is made of, at least not in St. Cloud. I definitely wouldn't want my kids to see that at all, but everybody got different opinions. Scary, yeah, especially the little kids. They wouldn't like it. So while they won't have a float in the parade, the folks here at FIRE will have a Krampus festival, and Krampus himself will be in the house. In Osceola County, Michelle Meredith, West 2 News. Well, that lady speaks for herself. I would have loved Krampus if I knew about him as a kid. I think people need to lighten up. Well, luckily for us, not everyone is as standoffish as the prudes up in St. Cloud. Take Pittsburgh, for example. They take Krampus very seriously in the Steel City. Christmas time conjures images of Santa, trees and lights, happy celebrations, right? Well, this guy, Krampus, is more dark than jolly. The beast of German folklore was honored tonight in Market Square. The Thomas family came from Ohio just to revel in his badness. He's just so nice and evil. You gotta have the bad with the good, right? Because it's something cool and it's dark and I like things that are dark and scary, so something different to do. Krampus knocked in Pittsburgh celebrates Krampus, known for being St. Nick's helper. And Krampus takes care of all the bad kids and eats them, takes their toys. But not all kids seem to be afraid. Santa's for the kind of good kids and he's for like the bad kids of who they are mean. The first time I heard about Krampus was from my grandparents. They had an old book of Christmas traditions from across all of Europe. Whenever I was flipping through the pages, it was your typical Santa, St. Nicholas, and then I came across this monster. And as a kid, I was terrified. But um, after that first time, I've really been interested in Krampus since then. So if you've been nice, well, like you said, it's but especially if you've been naughty, be sure to watch out for Krampus tonight. You've been warned, in addition to the festivities in Market Square, there was also a Krampus crawl of local bars. That bite was taken from a KDKA CBS News 2 clip out of the city of Pittsburgh. It's good to know that someone out there is still representing us black sheep. Now, Krampus Knock, or Krampus Night, is celebrated every December 6th, so we're safe for this year. But heads up, come next holiday season. Now, back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. Our final entry of the evening is another heartwarming tale, not too unlike Jill and Kim's from earlier in the show. But this one comes to us by way of Kelly, and was submitted from my state, of California. Hello, my name is Kelly. I'm from California. My story is about me dreaming, basically about my father dying a week before he did. Now, as some backstory, I'm seven years old at the time. This was about 1994 in December. It was right after Christmas. I think it had snowed that year. Yeah, it had snowed. And I had two older brothers, one six years older than me, one eight years older than me. 
We were a pretty basically normal family. My dad owned a fencing company, and my mom had just stopped working because dad wanted her to stay home with us so that, you know, she could take on us full time and he could do his business because um, his business was starting to do better. So what happened was my dad was currently, at the time I had the stream, he was in Connecticut visiting his aunt because she was on her deathbed. I found out later on that she did pass away that night that I had this dream. So here it goes. So I'm seven years old and I wake up. At the beginning of the stream, I wake up and I look around and I think to myself, what am I doing in the living room? I wake up on the couch, this blue old couch, like the typical 90s couch that you'd have that had a pull-out bed. I get up and I start to walk over towards the bathroom because, you know, when you wake up, you got to go. So I turn to look down the hall and as I turn, everything kind of stops because I see my dad on the floor. My mom's giving him CPR and I can hear her saying, come on, Tom, you can make it. Come on, Tom, you can make it. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. And I look at her and she looks up at me, but it's like she can't see me. And I look into the bathroom, which is where I was, I was going, and I see my oldest brother. He was 15 at the time, and he's on the toilet, and he's crying. He's got his hands in his face, so I can't really see his face that well. And then, all of a sudden, I wake up, and the dream's over, and I'm crying, and I'm crying, and my mom comes into my room, and she... Ask me what's wrong, you know, of course, just thinking, you know, I just had a typical nightmare. At the time, I was a little afraid of the dark, so nightmares were happening, and it was kind of common. So I tell her about what happened. I tell her that Dad died in my dream, and that she was giving him CPR, and that Robert was in the bathroom crying, and she just tells me over and over again that there's no way that could happen. She just kept consoling me that, you know, there's no way that that could happen because he's in Connecticut and he's not even home. And exactly seven days later, he did die. It turns out he had a brain aneurysm about two o'clock in the morning. He went to the bathroom thinking he just had a headache and it turned out to be a brain aneurysm. The doctors told us he maybe knew for about two minutes and then just went just like that. We found him about five hours later in real life. <laughs> I never actually saw his body. That's the part that really is weird about this whole thing. I never actually saw my dad lying on the ground dead. My mom did give him CPR though, and my brother did climb into the bathroom and get him out. He was in the bathroom crying because I asked him. And when that happened, it really kind of scared everybody. When I initially dreamed about this, about him dying, I told my mom. I did also tell both of my brothers what had happened, and everyone brushed it off, telling me that, you know, there's no way that could happen. You know, Christmas had just been over. And by the way, Dad was still in Connecticut. He was still visiting his aunt, who had just passed. So there was no way, no way that a seven-year-old little girl could have had this type of dream. So... When it did happen, it was January 3rd, 1995. His name was Tom. He was beloved by his community. He was a great dad. And then months later, after he had passed away, 
And my family had all kind of realized that I was right. I did actually have that dream. I had my friends spend the night at my house. You know, I, I didn't really sleep in my bedroom very much anymore because, you know, after losing him, it was difficult. It was difficult to be alone. I'd sleep with my mom a lot and she welcomed it because it just, it broke her apart because they were married for 19 years and it was, you know, that storybook kind of love. They met and started dating. Three weeks into dating, they got engaged. And then a few months later, they got married on my mom's birthday. So it always hit her pretty hard losing him. And anyway, my friend spent the night at my house. Now, it was me and my friend Echo and my friend Ivana. They were sisters. And I sleep really hard. Usually you can't wake me up, which is something my husband likes to talk about. So what happened was weird things had been happening in our house and they woke me up and they told me, Kelly, Kelly, be really quiet. I want you to look out the window. We can see your dad. So I I can't believe what they're saying, but at the same time, I know that they're not lying. So all three of us pulled back the curtain just a little bit so we could barely see outside and we looked and sure enough in front of my mom's bedroom window staring into the window was my dad we could make out his entire body I just couldn't see his feet for some reason we couldn't see his feet but we could make out the pants he was wearing, his shirt, his glasses. He always wore his glasses. And he was just looking in my mom's window. Now, the course of us seeing him was only about maybe five, ten seconds at the most. Because as soon as we saw him, within a few seconds, he turned his head like he knew we were watching him. And just like that, he was gone disappeared right in front of our eyes and I know that sounds insane it sounds crazy to hear but it really happened I was seven years old and I dreamed that he died exactly a week before he died and that's my story I hope you enjoyed it thank you and have a good day and I love your show bye thank you Kelly this episode might be lighthearted, but some of these stories are downright heartbreakers. I'm sorry, Kelly, that you had that experience. Although not all that warranted, I could see how guilt could find a way in given the circumstances. Now that seems to be the frustrating thing about these sorts of premonitions. They always seem to be just vague enough to ensure that no one can really alter the timeline. Either way, we are sorry for your loss and sorry that you had that experience. But thank you for sharing the tale. And speaking of losses, I received so many messages from listeners after I shared a few details about my own family's tragedy on last week's episode. I just want to say thank you to everyone that reached out. There were a lot of you, so I can't promise a reply, but please know that I've read each and every message that I've received, and I truly appreciate everyone reaching out. But you know, above all else, I hope my message helped put things in perspective to anyone that may be contemplating an end. And to those folks, help is available, so please take that step. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, 
Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. That creepy score that you hear is Co.AG Music and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Have a happy holiday season. And until next week. Tonight's secret entry is another one of those Christmas spoilers. So parents, heads up. From the Golden State of California, please welcome Ron to the program. Hi, my name's Ron from California, and I have a bit of a Christmas story for you. There was one Christmas I was sneaking downstairs to, like, see Santa... And I was halfway down the stairs in my parents' living room. And I just was sitting there for like 30 minutes in the dark. It felt like that. Maybe it wasn't. But I just remember seeing the pooch of a belly. It was red. It was a little glossy. It had like a stitch down the middle. Like like a fold where the cloth would be. And I remember getting really freaked out because I just saw Santa. I went in bed. I went to sleep. Later that year, as kids do, a bit of a Christmas spoiler warning here, I learned that Santa didn't exist or he wasn't real or alive anymore, I guess. The historical Santa, whatever. Details. But I remember the person who told me, but I I was like, I saw him. I, I saw Santa this last year. They're like, that wasn't him then. And I just remember being really scared, like, well, then what did I see? And I guess after I learned that it wasn't him, I just was like, oh, well, I guess the typical white sash in the center wasn't there. And there were a lot of, like, things I couldn't distinguish. Like, I just didn't, like, really think about it. And it was leathery, kind of, like, glossy. And I thought about it for like years and like I couldn't think of like what it could be like the typical color that goes with red is like a demon or something like that but anyway jumping like I was in high school and I was sitting down to play video games and like our bean bags and I was thinking about this specific story and my thumb was running down a seam in the bean bag (laughs) and I was looking at my beanbag and it was green my brother's was blue and then my other brother's was red and I just was like 
Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> okay, so I must have gone downstairs and just happened to, like, time it perfectly from when my parents were setting things out for Christmas and my dad or my mom was walking through the doorway with the giant red bean bag and I just automatically assumed it was Santa Claus <laughs> and I was all scared of this whole thing like like who was it like it wasn't Santa it must have been like something I didn't even think that that year we had gotten beanbags. <laughs> so I know this isn't like a monster story or whatever, but I thought it was kind of things that rack at you. You're just like, this must have a simple explanation. I thought about this for probably 12 years or so, and I just thought it was an interesting... <laughs> it's so simple now that you think of it, past tense, but I was terrified of this story for many, many years. And I just thought it might be encouraging for some people who they don't have that explanation yet and they're just like scared of what it could be. Sometimes it's just like a stupid, simple explanation and you just feel stupid afterwards. But I hope this is something you can use. Uh, I mean this very respectfully for people who like, I don't mean to diminish anyone's stories. Um, I really enjoy the podcast but I just thought my, this might be an encouragement for, to some. So uh, thanks for it, and I enjoy listening to your stuff. Thank you, Ron. That's hilarious. Now, I'm not sure which episode this was, but I'm sure someone listening knows. It may have even been the Tall Man featurette. But on one of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, there was a kid sleeping on their family's couch when the kid awoke he or she saw a witch standing next to their Christmas tree. Now that detail scared the hell out of me as a child, and even to this day, I oftentimes think of it every time I see a lit-up Christmas tree. But above all that, Ron's story reminded me a little of that particular Unsolved mystery segment. So thank you again, Ron, for the fun submission, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Please, everyone have a safe, fun, and happy holiday season. Good night.